they're quite wait, very quickly. Smooth exit. Yeah, more or less. Right, shall I close the door? Yeah, let's, let's drown out the incessant noise of your wife cleaning. Cleaning my house and looking after my children. Mm. Noisily. How very dare she. <coughs> right, shuttle pod 12. Mm. Are you ready to kick it off? Lucky number 12. Are we just going get, to get, get straight into it? Uh, yeah. I don't see why not. I'm still writing things down. <laughs> Frantically writing notes. Um, I'm like the busy intern keeping himself busy. That, that could be it's a your, very poor um, analogy. <laughs> that could be a new wrestler name for you. The busy intern. The busy intern. You um, come to the ring with a pencil. The pigeon fancier. I like that. That's good. These are all good. Tea hot. Can you do the noise of a pigeon? That's pretty good. That's all right. Isn't that it? is good. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm impressed there. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can. I can think about it. I don't think I can imitate many animals. Maybe the crow. Give us a crow. Ah! Yeah. That. I mean, that was probably a bit deep for a crow, was it? I don't know. It's uh, pretty, pretty much on. I think that's okay. Okay, let's get these levels right. Can you say something for me? Good day, sports. Here we are in sunny Australia. Stick another shrimp on the barbie. Are we doing accent attack today? I haven't, I haven't written one. Well, I haven't. But I mean, it's not hard to do. Is it? <laughs> Although I, I was can write whether... one now. I thought I could write two now. Go for it. Do it. I was wondering if <laughs> once we've once we've done enough accents and we can't think of any more without venturing into the unwise realm of racism. Yeah. Um whether we should do celebrity impression impressions instead. Yes, excellent. Because I have got a wide gamut hmm. of excellent celebrity impressions. It's not as offensive either if you're just doing a an impression of a specific person rather than Doing something which may be construed to be an imitation of a whole ethnic group. Yes, I agree. I wholeheartedly concur. <laughs> I like the way you do that. It's like like in Wayne's World. <laughs> that's, that's where I got it from. Yeah, certainly. Um, welcome. Welcome to Shuttlepod, episode 12. Welcome to Tiverton where we are at North Devon's premier ape enclosure, recording live today from the Baboon Sanctuary. We, Will and I, are surrounded by proboscis monkeys as we talk. <laughs> That's not, No, it's in Dorset, isn't it? Monkey World? Have you been to Monkey World? I haven't been to Monkey World, no. Monkey World's quite good fun, but there's, um, there are some amusing roundabouts nearby because there, there are two big attractions in, uh, in Dorset. One is Monkey World and the other one's a tank museum. Tank museum. Yeah, and okay. there are, there are signs for them at the same roundabouts, and you, every time I drive past them, I think, God, that's a disaster waiting for happen, isn't it? <laughs> if the monkeys escape and they get into the tank museum, <laughs> the buckers could invade. <laughs> There's nothing we could do about it. It's like putting a prison next to a gun factory. Yeah, they're just. You can imagine a pair of orangutans getting a Challenger Mark Ten. <laughs> <laughs> and the police are helpless to stop them. They literally can't stop yeah. them as they uh, drive around North Dorset. We should, um, we they should, they make their way it. into Bournemouth Town Centre 
Lovely the, stuff. The Bournemouth International Centre isn't safe from tank attack. No, they haven't thought about that. They haven't thought about what happens if a pair of orangutans turn up. They didn't plan ahead, did they? No, they didn't. The, um, uh, do you know what I've had stuck in my head this week? Uh, is it Songs from the Little Mermaid? It's not. It's uh, the song Ooh Are Just a Little Bit by Gina G. I love that song. Ooh Are Just, just a little, little Bit. Ooh Are a Little, little bit, bit More. And now I've sung that, you're going to have it stuck in your head and anyone listening to this is going to have it stuck in their head. What a great well. song. Yeah. Whatever happens to Gina G. She went on to be our Eurovision entry, didn't she? Yes, and she did relatively well that year, I seem to remember. And yet it didn't lead to international fame and fortune. Do you know what I've always wanted to know, Will? What's that? What does the G stand for? It stands for great. I think it stands for Gina. Gina, Gina. (laughs) And that's possibly why she never reveals the meaning. (laughs) If your name is Gina, Gina, then it probably is better just to... If your name's Gina Gina, write into us here at the show um, at ShuttlePod4 on Twitter. We're constantly scouring the Twitter sphere um, to pick up your messages, uh, pluck them out of the nest that is. No. Do you pluck things out of nests? If you leave things in nests, if you pluck them out of their nests, they're not ready. Pluck them out of the ether. The ether. No, I think I was. It was the bird reference. I get the bird po- reference. It was poorly constructed, and um, I think we should leave that. You, you, I think it's verging on the offensive there. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that's happened uh, recently, we've had cat wars in our in our garden. Is this out and about, or is this just general chat? Uh, what's the difference these days? <laughs> Will sounding like a man that's had enough. <laughs> Not as much as our listeners. Cat wars. Cat Go on wars. then, tell us about cat wars. The neighbourhood cats are doing their droppings in our garden. Oh, Lord. And it is unpleasant. I don't. I'll be honest with you, Will. I don't know what a cat dropping looks like. I mean, what do you think it looks like? Well, if I had to, what, <laughs> I mean, you know where it comes from. Well, you know I know what a dog. What I know what a dog. Um, a dog leaving looks like. Yeah. I know what a fox. I know badgers, yeah. horses. I know cows. I know well. Um, but the, I mean, I can the, you imagine a cat is different though because a cat's a cat's anus, Thomas, is very similar to a dog's anus or a fox's anus. It's not like Play-Doh where you can have like different shapes come out and like a cat's one happens to be like star-shaped or something. No, but you're right and I get what you're saying and you're trying to make a fool of me on, on live radio, but what I would say to you is cats don't eat normal things though, do they? they they've got quite an evil bent to them, most cats, so they will eat shoelaces um, and they will also eat other animals. They will, but they digest them. So if it eats a mouse, it doesn't tod out. A mouse. A mouse's skull? It absolutely would. And I think so, you'll, fi- it, I think you'll find, Will, would that... Would it eat the bones? No, because the... it wouldn't... In order to tod out a mouse's skull, it would have had to have swallowed the mouse's skull whole. That is absolutely possible. Um, is that I... what cats... Are you telling me that's what cats do? Yes, and if we had access to some sort of electronic encyclopedia, I'm sure we could look it up and I would be completely vindicated. You are... But what I would say is, if it did eat small bones... Um, and possibly whole skulls. Because let's be honest, a, a mouse's skull is small. It's going to crunch the, it up, though, isn't it? As the skull passed through the duodenum yeah. um, and into the bowel, the bolus of faecal matter would be formed around the skull, therefore creating... Do you remember when they found um, Richard in the car park? Yeah, but he hadn't been eaten by a cat. Well, <laughs> it's unproven. 
You're saying that what actually happened to Richard III, what he is he got eaten by a cat and todded out into a car park in Leicester. Is that what is you're it, saying? Well, have they considered it? I mean, they haven't proved that that didn't happen. Exactly. But My point exactly. I'm not sure that's where the burden of proof lies. Let's not close the door on that line of investigation. That's anyway, my I'm point saying. is we've been investigating ways to stop the cats todding in our garden. Mm-hmm. And there are different things you can do. You can put spikes on top of your fence. Yeah. We'd, I think we'd quite like to do that, but we're not sure our neighbours would particularly like living in somewhere that looks a bit like cold it's. Yeah. Um, you can buy lion poo. Cats don't like the scent of lion poo because it's it's a superior cat. Right. And so they you, you can actually buy this. You can get it on Amazon. They will, they will turn lion poo into pellets and you can scatter those in your garden and the the stench of lion poo will scare me. Right, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. So that all those <laughs> listeners are out there, Will and I have a rule that we don't really look at our um, mobile phones during a recording. We don't fiddle with social media or look at the internet unless it's absolutely Do you necessary. want me to look up lion poo? But I am going to look it up on Amazon now whilst whilst you continue to talk about the third way that you found of getting rid of cats. <laughs> so um, the third way... Because I don't rid- believe you. <laughs> You're going to be sorry. You're going to eat those words in a hot pie of shame. I look forward to dining on my own words if I'm if you're right. Um, the third way and the word, way that we've oh, gone for he's right. Yeah, I know I'm right. I'm the, gonna make that up. So I? I type lion poo into the search bar of Amazon, and the first thing that comes up is lion poo cat repellent. Yeah, there you go. Silent raw lion manure <laughs> cat repellent. Mm. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, how much do you think it would cost for a carton of lion poo? Will might. Probably know the oh, answer. I can't remember now. How how much is it? How, what, what capacity? Um, let's have a look. It's not immediately apparent. Oh, <laughs> Silent Raw came out on top in a survey for cat deterrence for the garden, and that quote was from BBC Watchdog. Is it? Oh, maybe we should have gone for that then. Um, who is the man that has to go round with a cardboard box in Africa <laughs> collecting lion poo, or presumably a zoo as well? I mean, because they don't—they're not herbivores, are they? Like herbivore poo is all right, but. They're meat eaters, so it's it's going to be stinky. I guess Nor- that's the point. 0.5 kilos of silent raw lion shit. So 500 grams. 500 grams of lion shit. How much do you think 500 grams of lion shit would cost? I think it is £25. <laughs> no, it's nowhere near. It's £9.25, oh, okay. which I still think is a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I have just paid twenty five pounds for a pair of sonar cat repellents. Okay, yeah. So these are also <laughs> <laughs> right. So sorry, I just want to rewind slightly. Yeah. So your solution to yeah. having a small cat shit on your lawn was to buy a very expensive box of big cat shit and put it on your lawn. Is that correct? No, we didn't go for the lion poo. But that would be the solution if you chose the lion poo. Yeah, but it's dried. It's dried pellets, so I think it so, doesn't stink like. So is that the is that your problem with cat poo? Is that it smells? Well, it stinks, and also the you know the kids can tread in it, and it's full of diseases. And I think the lion poo has been has been treated in some way and dried out and made into pellets. So you just sort of sprinkle it, and this is astonishing. Keep going. So You're learning so much, but anyway, so, we didn't go for that. We didn't go for that. You went for the sonic cat deterrence. That's right. And it's you the, paid £25 for a pair. For a pair, yeah. Um, okay. And uh, what they do is they, they go off when the cat passes and they, they emit... When he passes what? 
passes by. So, not, not solid. <laughs> well, all that. And, and they emit a frequency that cats don't like and mm. makes it uncomfortable for them, so they don't want to come into your garden. But what I discovered when I turned them on is uh, it's also a frequency that my wife doesn't like. <laughs> uh. I, could, I could hear a sort of vague clicking and she could hear a proper whining noise and started complaining and saying it made her head hurt. Really? Yeah. So, but I, I, I thought that was good evidence that they were going to work against the cats. They've been in place now for forty-eight hours. As of as of yet, there have been no cats in our garden. No sightings of cats. No sightings of cats. Where have these cats arrived from? By the way, there are a lot of both of our neighbours have cats. Basically, how do you feel about cats in general, Will? I quite like cats. Uh, we used to have a cat, and there's no wrong with cats. What was your cat's name? My cat's name was Lucky, and it had three legs. <laughs> <laughs> we named uh, we named her Lucky because she was black, and then later on in life she got cancer in her leg, and they locked it off. But she kind of was lucky because she carried on with three legs. She survived. Um, she survived illness and carried on. Yeah. The uh, the other the other big thing uh, in our house, another garden thing, is uh, the arrival of the trampoline. Ah, we finally caved and bought a trampoline. Well done. Well, I'd say we finally. I finally caved and bought a trampoline. My wife. Uh, my wife has. Uh, been obsessed with getting a trampoline for quite a while because she thinks it can solve all of our problems. Well, prepare yourself for a summer of visiting the accident emergency room yeah, as well. children fall out of it and fall through it and fall into it with. Well, it's got a net around it, you know. Yeah, they've all got nets around them. Well, well okay. it doesn't stop them tumbling off. Um, anyway, so we uh, she she found this this trampoline and I had to go and get it from uh, from Smithy's. Smithy's toy store. Is oh, it no Smithy's or Smiths? Oh no, I mean Smiths, don't I? You not, do. Not Smiths, Smith's Toy Store. Yeah, Smiths Toys, but there's a there's a Smiths Toy Superstore in Hedgeend, just outside Southampton. Right. So off I went to go and collect it. And as I was driving there, the cash guy was making the most horrible noise. What sort of noise was it making? It was honestly, if it, it sounded like the rear axle was about to fall off. It was this sort of rumbling, rolling noise, like there was something seriously the matter with the car. So you immediately stopped to investigate, didn't no, you? No, I went around a few more corners to see if I could make it make a different noise. And what happened was that it all stopped when I went round uh, a little mini roundabout. And that's because the uh, half half a litre bottle of Diet Coke that I'd put on the roof of the car and forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was rolling backwards and forwards between the two roof rails and making that noise. Hardly fell off the top of the car. Did you see it go? I saw it go and bounce down the road. And then you thought to yourself... I thought to myself, well, well A, that was what the noise was. <laughs> B, that probably could have caused a really nasty accident. I'm glad it didn't go through someone's windshield or knock out a granny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now I got to I got to, to Hedgeend. Hed, you've probably never been to Hedgeend. I have, actually. Have you? Because okay. I used to have a big um, kid's baby store there didn't they i think they probably still do yeah there's loads of big superstores yeah and they're all separated by roundabouts and your sat nav will only take you to the middle of it and then you've got to work out where the leading yeah. store is so i literally spent about half an hour going around all these different roundabouts and trying to work out where it was and going the <laughs> wrong way and swearing and getting angrier and angrier and i finally got to to smith's uh, toy superstore and and i walked in in a bad mood to go and collect my trampoline and the first thing I was confronted with was the most glorious Isle of Lego I've ever seen. Really? Oh, boy. Uh, it, was, it was, I mean, it goes all the way up to the ceiling. So it's, it's about 14, 15 foot high and, I don't know, about 60 foot long, just Lego. Every kind of Lego you can ever see. 
and I th- I think I got mildly aroused. <laughs> and it was it was a strange feeling to be both angry and mildly aroused in a child's superstore. Yeah, that's not a good that's not a good response to have. Didn't know what to do with myself. Anyway, that's my out and about. Is that the end of the story? Mm. Did, did you get the trampoline? We got a trampoline. We put it up. Um, my wife, because she uh, she was determined. She's a scientist, by the way. Like she teaches science, but she has a very unscientific way of understanding the world. Right. And so she doesn't like test her hypotheses properly. But because she wanted the trampoline to solve every problem that we've ever had with our children, they went on the trampoline that day after we built it. And that night they slept really well. And as far as she was concerned, that was it. That was a victory. <laughs> yeah. See, they've been on the trampoline and now they're sleeping really well. <laughs> all our problems are over. Day two, however. Day two, they break the trampoline and all hell's broken loose. <laughs> Um, well, that's tremendous uh, yeah. news, Will. Thank you for keeping us up to date. That's for, yeah. um, you Pleasure. may or may not have realised, I hope mm. you have, that since we were last on air, um, we've actually had a sport, Sporting World Cup. Do you, know what, no. do you know what sport it was? No, what was it? Touch Rugby. Oh. That's right. Touch Rugby had the World Cup. I think I did see something about this on the, on, on the internet. Yeah, it was on the BBC. They were streaming it live on the BBC mm. Red Button. Um, so I was thrilled because every morning I got to wake up and put live touch rugby on my television. You love touch rugby, don't you? I do love it. Um, I never get to watch it on television. Right. Very Well, very rarely. Um, wow. But it was the World Cup mm-hmm. being played in Malaysia. Mm. Um, England had a good showing of teams in nearly every category we had a team in. How many um, categories are there? There's about five, five or okay. six. So there's there's Fat lads. Yeah, there is a fat lads category. There's, there's, a, there's, a, fat lads category. there's a men's fifties category. Oh, okay. Cool. Although it'd be unfair to call them fat. Um, men's forty fives, men's forties, men's thirty fives. Then there's the, the then the main competition is the men's open right. and the women's open and the mixed open. So those the women's are, not get thirty fives, forties, forty fives. Women's get twenty sevens and thirty fives this year. Okay, but nothing beyond that. Um, and actually. England got a bronze medal in the women's 27s category. Well done. So that was fantastic. Well done, England. Yes. Um, and we got came fourth um, in a couple of categories, um, the, the 35s and the 30s, I think, for the men's. And we finished fifth in the men's opens. It was, um, it was a really good showing by England Touch Rugby. So congratulations if any of you Touch Rugby players are listening. You're wearing a Touch Rugby hoodie as we speak. I am. Look at that. You just love you love touching rugby. I'm all about uh, all about obscure sports, or not so obscure if they're on the BBC. Yeah, I feel vindicated. Um, yeah, so super. Well, it's probably time then to say, uh, grab your hat, oil your bat, swing your cat. It's time to chat. It's uh, shuttle pods. This is shuttle pod. Is that the signal to start again? We've started. <laughs> okay, good. Welcome. Welcome to episode 12 of ShuttlePod. 12. Who'd have thought we'd get to 12? Is it only 12? Yeah. It really has dragged on, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we started this this pod what seems like five years ago. When did we start it? It was September, was it? Uh, it was the autumn, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was the autumn. Was I, don't, I don't know if it was September. I think it was, it was nearer my birthday, so I think it was around November. 
I think it was September. Uh, okay. What are we up? What are we doing first today, Will? Uh, I've got an odd run out. Do you want to start with the odd run out? What oral delights are you going to squeeze into our listeners' ears tonight, Will? I am going to start us off with an odd run out of uh, 1950s pulp fiction titles. 1950s pulp fi- pulp fiction titles. Yeah. Okay. Do you understand what that is? Yes. A series of novels released in the 1950s that were very very trashy. Yes. And had sort of salacious covers. Okay, so as per usual, I've got six here and I've made up two. Yeah. And uh, I want you to tell me which are the two that are made up. Um, first one is Girls Who Don't Read Are Skanks. Okay. Oh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> and this, you're saying this is 50s pulp fiction? It's 1950s pulp fiction. It is a bit sexist. Girls who don't read are skanks. Yep. Okay, number two. Number two, I married a bumper humper. <laughs> okay. I'll let you imagine what that one could be about. <laughs> but they are all fairly similar in terms is of it, theme. Is it about a rabbit? Uh, kind of. Uh, they're, all, they're all kind of a bit sexy in, uh, in nature. Number three, ladies in Hades. Ooh. Yeah. I like that one. The promise of uh, sinful desire. Number three. (laughs) In a mythical hell. Number four. Lust always rings twice. (laughs) Doesn't it just? We know that to be true. Okay. Certainly in the early 20s, but Mm. as you move into the late 30s, probably once is is enough. Once a month. (laughs) Plenty. A month? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once, once a quarter. <laughs> uh, number five, Martians with breasts. Lovely, lovely stuff. You know what you're getting with that one, don't you? Yeah. Go on. And number six, the girl with the sweet plump knees. <laughs> okay. What I like about that one is that it's not too salacious. It doesn't. It doesn't go past the knees. It's saying knees. Knees are enough. Yes. I no idea on this one. Um, so I'm just going to use a different, completely different tactic this time. Okay. I think that you have a tell. Okay. I think I, after 12 episodes, I've mm. worked out what your tell is. Mm. So I'm going to apply. Yeah. And if I get it right, I'll tell you what the tell is. Okay. If I get it wrong, I'll go back to the drawing board. <laughs> okay. And probably tell you anyway. So I think that you, the false ones, yeah. are... The girl with the sweet plump knees. Okay. And <laughs> and Martians with breasts. Okay. How did I do? Well, as per usual, you got one out of two. Excellent. <laughs> Which one did I get right first? Martians with breasts. I did make up. Okay. Uh, the girl with the sweet plump knees, though, is a real title. You can look it up and uh, and by all means read it. Have you read it? I haven't yet, but it's definitely on my uh, on my list. Sounds like a salacious title. I think it sounds the most innocent of of the rest of them. I have to say. Um, so, what was your other one then? I married a bumper humper. Oh yeah, you see, yeah, that was you all over. I started off with bumper humper, but I thought that was too obvious. But I thought I married a bumper humper somehow, disguised it better. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think you've got to tell. Yeah, I think you laugh more at your own inventions <laughs> than you do at the real ones. 
Um, would I be right? Do you think that subconsciously? I I think if I don't think about it, then I do. Yeah. But during that, I was conscious of it, and so I was trying not to laugh at my own ones. But then, in a way, in trying to do so, you actually exaggerated your own laugh Double and in fact it. alerted me to the tell. Yeah, I know. It's becoming a psychological game, listeners. It is. It's cat and mouse, isn't it's it? Thrilling. It's like a John le Carre book. Who? <laughs> Um, George Smiley. Mm, well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and other spies. Yeah. Other spies. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that was a Brilliant. very bland. Um, <laughs> I think that was bland. I think that was, no, was all right. I think we'll have a, some segment music taking us into the next patch. Oh, good. I very much enjoyed that segment music, I have to say. <laughs> it was wonderful, wasn't yeah. it? Will, creeping around with your audio trumpet, mm. squeezing delicious auditory cream into yeah. our listeners' ears. I don't think you understand how trumpets work. <laughs> you don't squeeze trumpets. That's not... How, I can't be expected to know you the, blow, the you, workings of an orchestra. You blow a trumpet. If you want uh, an instrument that you squeeze... What do you squeeze? Bagpipes. That's true, bagpipes. That's accordions. It. And accordions, of course. Accordions, bagpipes, a, a sort of a more elementary sort of squeeze box. What do you call that? One of the little ones. Because an accordion is the big, is the one that looks like a book. The With big the piano on the side. The great big, th- yeah. But a, a little squeeze box is the sort of thing a sailor plays. Sort of hexagonal in shape. And Yeah, I don't know what you'd call that. In the, there's the Who song, isn't there? Squeeze box. Mama's got a squeeze box, Daddy doesn't sleep at I don't night. think that's the same thing. It, I think, <laughs> do you think that's about I, a sex toy? That's <laughs> why <laughs> so Daddy doesn't sleep at night. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, put that thing away. <laughs> I've got to go to work in the not morning. Not the squeeze box again. Once more, Martin. No, not once more. <laughs> I can barely walk. <laughs> Mama's got a squeeze box out and again. Kids, go and stay with your granny. <laughs> You've done it too tight, Margaret. (laughs) It's going to be a long night. (laughs) Oh, dear. Deary me. Where were we? I don't know. What do you you want to do next? Hot hair. What? Is that a section? Hot pear? Hot hair. Hot hair? It could be. Where I get a candle and put it as close to your head as possible without setting your hair on fire. I'm not sure how keen I am on that. No, we whiteboarded that one and yeah. we didn't get through. So we did one that we've actually talked about. Yeah. Creative challenge. We're we'll doing a creative challenge. Cookery show. Well, yeah, that's so. Our creative challenge this week is a cookery show. Uh, and we're just, we're just kind of spitballing ideas here. And if anybody from Big Telly is listening, then <laughs> Tom has just shown me his ideas and they are laughable. <laughs> Absolutely laughable. Not in a good way, of course. I think I think it's safe to say that some of us have done more preparation this week than others. But that's okay. That's fine. I'm guessing I'm going to do mine first. I Tom. think, yeah, absolutely. I think from the way that this podcast sounds to the listeners, they'd be convinced that we didn't do any preparation ever. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should. Maybe we should just pretend like we're just making this up, because <laughs> then at least we'll have an excuse. For- what a pile of old nonsense it is. Okay, All right. um, so, well, I'd love to hear, um, yeah, I bet you pitch would. me your cookery show. Yeah, okay. Well, I've actually got three for you. Oh, have you? Yeah. That's fine, you don't have to do three. <laughs> Can I but... pick a number? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Which one do you want to hear first? Eight. I've only got three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you'd assigned a random number to each one. Uh, that's here, number three. Number three, okay. So number three is called... 
the Crystal Metze. Oh, okay, I like this. Okay, and uh, Richard O'Brien returns to lead a group of chartered accountants from Basingstoke around four zones based on the regional food of Greece, Turkey, the Middle East, and North Africa. Yeah. Uh, here they must take challenges such as dressing up as a moussaka and trying to catch olives in their bum cracks, or using their feet to fling doner meat at a giant Velcro kebab. Successful challenges are rewarded with pomegranates, uh, each one worth five seconds in the Crystal Dome. In the Dome, they must catch pitta breads, which have been propelled by O'Brien's uh, stored flatulence. And if they get 100 or more in the time allowed, they walk away with their own body weight and hummus. Oh, that sounds like fun, wonderful. That is wonderful, Will. Wholesome. Your best creative challenge ever. Oh, thanks very much. Um, Rich, we need more Richard O'Brien back I, on our screen. I like Richard O'Brien, yeah. My sister once met Richard O'Brien in a branch of H&M. And <laughs> he was buying some leopard skin le- leggings. <laughs> Bless him. Good, good for him. Still holding the torch alive. How old was he at the Still time? Still got it. 78. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how old he is now. I don't know how old he's ever been. Um, a bright flame on our television Richard screen. Richard O'Brien, I, think, I feel like he has always been 45. Yes, he's 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 ageless, isn't he? He's sprightly, like an like an elf. I, I imagine he'd be um, wonderful fun to have at a dinner party, but only for about forty five minutes before it started to grate a little bit. I think you'd probably invite him along just for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Get the main bulk of it out of the way. Oh, by the way, look who we've got bringing in the tiramisu. <laughs> it's Richard O'Brien, and then he could just entertain everyone for about forty five minutes. Tiramisu, some coffee. Maybe a uh, DJ Steve. And then into the parlour games. And then... Put him in a taxi. I think so. Give him 45 quid. Or all or go for a walk, but tell him the wrong way. <laughs> just, just leave him behind. Meet you down by the river, Richard. Yeah, see you. No, it's that there, down there. <laughs> anyway, so that, that was number three. Uh, I've got two more. Go on, then. Which one do you want? Number two. All right. Number two is called Chockey Font. Okay. Uh, Giles Brandreth visits churches throughout the UK, turning their fonts into chocolate fondues. Over a late night dipping session of fruit and marshmallows, Giles and a selection of regional C-list celebrities engage in a lively debate about the issues of the day, such as the ever-increasing price of washing up liquid and the lingering threat of international terrorism. Uh, NB, they are allowed to say shit once an episode. (laughs) So... That's a deal breaker. They've got a plan where it is. You can't, you know, if uh, if someone like I don't know, uh, you know, Fern Britain comes out with a shit five minutes in, then everyone has to look at each other and go, "Well, that's it now." Britain's Britain's crossed that Rubicon, and uh, there's know, no going back after ru- that. Ru- so. Ruined everyone else's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds great. I think that's a bit unfair on Fern Britain, though. She's not C list, is she? I think. I think she's lower. No, I think. Well, I don't know. I think A list is is people who are famous outside of the UK. Right. Well, this is your definition, and no one else's. But carry on. I so so like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Is A list like movie stars are A list. Uh, movie stars, I would agree with, and, and pop singers and rock so, stars. Yeah. Um, Adele. Adele is A list. Those those are A list people. B list people are people who are really famous in the UK. Adele. Adele, not Dell. Dell, the computer company. <laughs> Dell, my dad. <laughs> my dad is called Dell. Um, <laughs> I, I realise I had to explain that to the, to the listeners because only you know that. <laughs> None of them will. 
Although, to be fair, there's a good chance that the only people who are going to listen to this are people who know us, in which case, they'll have all got it. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. So, so maybe C-list is firm Britain. I don't know. I think she's probably between B and C. She's not famous have, outside the UK. I would have said she was D maximum. Really? She's, well, what's she on anymore? Fern Britain. Hang on, have I got the right fern? Which is the fern that's got blonde hair and who does she's sort of young, attractive fern who does doesn't she do like strictly and things? No, what does Fern Britain do? I, Who's I, the other fern? Fern Britain was on Good This Morning. Yeah, opposite opposite Philip uh, Schofield. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel like she's there's no. another fern. you yeah, you've got confused with Fern Cotton. Oh, I have Who's got the Radio One DJ, young, hip. That's who I was thinking. Oh, Fern Britain, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Fern, if you're listening to this, I think probably you're not quite serious. I'm sorry. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, you know, neither am I. <laughs> Gary Wilmot. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's much lower down. Wilmot, you think? C? Wil- Wilmot's lower than C, definitely. I think we I'm could... not the arbiter of these things, but... Um, I think we could turn this into a feature. Possibly. Watch watch this space. If you want this to be a feature, tweet us or email us. Yeah. Do you, what's the email address, Will? I can't remember. Shuttlepod at something, Gmail. Shuttlepodcast at gmail.com. There you go. I nearly got it right. Um, okay, so that's that's Chocky Font uh, with Giles Brandreth. Uh, and do you want... Giles Brandreth. Is that your impression of Giles Brandreth? <laughs> Do you know who Giles Brandreth is? Yes, I That's do. That's not what Giles Brandreth sounds like. Go on, you do him then. Um, Giles Brandreth has a sort of s- smooth voice like this. Hello, hey. I'm Giles Brandreth and I play Scrabble a lot. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, okay, and uh, the last remaining one is called Trumpet Chef. Excellent. A brass band wedges ingredients into their instruments and with the power of their lungs blasts them 50 feet into the air. Three competing chefs have the length of time it takes the band to play Bohemian Rhapsody to catch the ingredients in their nets and turn them into a mouth-watering savoury dish. That's fantastic. It's like a twist on the um, cookery programme that was hosted by Fern Britton. Oh, Ready Steady Cook. Ready Steady Cook. Oh, yeah, I see. There you go. So I get now, my ferns confused. Now you've got your, got it in your mind. Lost, you? lost in the ferns. Yeah. Um, embarrassing for you. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a, a combination of The Last Night of the Proms and, um, and Ready Steady Cook. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Who doesn't love a brass band? Oh, I love it. You know, I genuinely do love a brass band. You really do. Mainly uh, brought about because my driving instructor, Mr. Wicketts, uh, loved brass bands. And whenever I had a driving lesson when I was 17, we had 30 minutes of endless brass band music. He asked me in the very first lesson, do you like brass bands? And I went, oh, and he went, yeah, because I have lots of brass bands here. Stuck a tape in, that was it. Yeah, we had it every single time. The days when cassette players were rife in car stereos. That's right. The, um, you were learning to drive at the age, the tender age of 17. It's a long time ago With now. old sticky wickets. Yeah. Where is he now? I hope he is still living here in Farnham and teaching people how to drive. But, that, you know, I'm now 38, so he, would, he was quite an old man at the time. So he had a good and long life, and I wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> Door to open. That's what he used to say. Door to open. You know what that means? Does that mean open your door? No, it means when you're passing a car that's yeah. parked, yeah. leave room for a door to open in case some wazzock opens his door. Okay. Door to open. And also, you are rising into a zone of invisibility. You know what that means? Going over a hill. You're going uphill, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting way to say you're going uphill. And I, I used to say, I'm, I'm, aware, I'm aware I'm going uphill. <laughs> 
if I wasn't aware that I was going uphill, then, you know, I, th- I think probably I shouldn't be allowed to drive. <laughs> we got bigger problems. Yeah. So there we go. Trumpet Chef, Chocky Font and the Crystal Metze. I loved all of those, Thanks, Will. Mate. You really did work hard on those, didn't you? I did. I did more work than you have done on this segment. Because uh, what, what have you got for me? What have you written down in your little book in that time? I have written Anti-Gravity Cooking. Mm. I mean, I can see where you're going with it, but what's... Come on, spitball, spitball an idea. Three celebrities. Of course, it has to be celebrities these days. They're, they're, they're the only interesting people left. Um, I would go lower than C, though. I would go right down to the Ds, the Es, the Fs. Wow. The reality star TV chefs. Yeah. Get them in a uh, Russian super jet and do parabolic flight patterns. Yeah. So every 20 minutes, yeah. they get a period of two minutes where there is no gravity on right. the aeroplane. And during that time, they have to knock up a course of a meal. So essentially, during one parabolic flight, yeah. they have five opportunities to make a five-course meal in zero gravity. So each course, they've got two minutes to do it. Exactly. Okay, it's going to be limiting in terms of what you can... I mean, you can do an omelette in two minutes. There are certain restrictions yeah. on this cookery programme. Yeah. The first is you can't have an open flame on an aircraft. No, you can't. And I can see why you would you would stipulate that. But I also kind of feel like if you have said we're going to go with zero gravity cooking, then you can't then be choosy about the health and safety of it. Well, you can say what you like, Will, but the... Because if you said an open flame on a plane, that's madness. And I think someone would then be, you know, could then well say to you, well, to be honest, zero gravity cooking is probably not a good idea full stop. Okay, you're not allowed flames. Are you allowed knives? You're allowed knives, but what I will add is that liquid is almost impossible to manipulate in zero gravity. So you're not allowed liquids? You can have liquids, but you won't be... be containing them or manipulating so them. So something just f- uh, physically solid, like a potato, is probably the best. Potato's a good start. How are we going to add heat to our potato in zero gravity? Well, that's up to the contestants. <laughs> that's, that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just create the format. <laughs> I don't create the content. So it's uh, got, I, so probably a microwave. Absolutely. You can bolt a microwave to the side of the plane so it won't float off. I like, I like where you're going with this. So and you, I don't know, how long does a, a jacket potato take to do in a microwave? Well, let's say it's a small jacket potato so and probably, it's a very powerful microwave. Let's say you could probably get it done in two minutes. Yes. Course done. Right, jacket potato. Yeah, bang. Biff. Okay, can you get some butter and cheese in it? You probably can. Yeah, you've got time for that. Yeah. Okay, so a, a, cheesy, a cheesy spud. To start. To start. <laughs> okay. What else is solid? A fish. Fish. It's a fish. Solid. A lot of the moisture is contained within a fish. Yes, within the skin. Within the skin of a fish. And eyes of a fish. Are, are we simply microwaving <laughs> everything? We can't. <laughs> what about a pressure cooker? There you go. That's, yeah, that's like contained. It. Yeah. Two minutes in a pressure cooker. What will that do to a fish? I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> Stick a fish. But we never. Has anyone ever done it? Will probably not. Cause it's a bad idea. Do you remember when? <laughs> Big Brother, which mm. was a reality show that was released, I'm sure you're all familiar with it, um, was first released onto our television screens. Yeah, Everyone yeah. was very excited because it was a new format. No one had ever considered, yeah. what would you do if you were put into a closed house and filmed 24 hours a day? Are you saying that zero-G cooking is... The this, new Big Brother. The new Big Brother. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be an internationally renowned and... Uh, affecting blight on society <laughs> it's going to turn off as turn off as a really good idea and then eventually it's going to be the sort of thing where racism happens possibly yeah 
okay. think that people might just be careful about which which celebrity chefs you put on there, don't really. Exactly. I think that it might be the making of some celebrities. But it might, but end, also the it might end careers. Yeah. Might end careers. There'll be ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That could be the tagline. That was a long build up for that payoff, wasn't it? <laughs> Right, zero that's G. It. That's zero all G I've cooking. Got, that's all you've got. That's all I've got. Zero G cooking. It, it's better than nothing with Alan Titchmarsh. Okay, that's that's slightly better than nothing then. If, yeah. if Titchmarsh has he signed on to it? Peter Purvis. Oh, oh, this is shaping up nicely. Just spitballing ideas. Yeah, here. lovely. Okay, Jeremy well, Beadle. He, I think I think he's dead. Oh, <laughs> I think he is. God rest his soul. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jez. Sorry, Jez. <laughs> okay, super. No, seriously, our condolences go out to his family. Yeah, I mean... I mean Do get in touch. <laughs> he died quite a while ago, didn't he, Jeremy Beadle? I think. I don't know. Maybe ten years ago. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, you never you never get over that sort of loss. Let's have some music, shall we? <laughs> right, this week's top ten, Tommy... Top tens. Top tens uh, is top ten ideas to fight climate change. Okay. Um, do you want to do alternate al- alternates? Alternating? Yeah, I think we better. Have you got ten? No. Right. <laughs> Listeners, see if you can... Can you start? See if you can spot where Tom starts to make these up. <laughs> <laughs> Right, my number one for uh, for fighting climate change: cow zeppelins. Cow zeppelins. A lot of uh, uh, global warming is caused by farting cows. Yes, correct. Giving off methane. Why don't we collect that methane in special methane farms, and then bottle it, put it into zeppelins. Yeah. And they can then be a form of transport, and that means we'll all use our cars less, uh, less because we'll be travelling around in uh, bovine methane zeppelin transport. That's the future that I dream of. Isn't it? Does methane float? Well, it must do. We're going to find out. Well, you've just said that it did. I know, but I just kind of made it up. I mean, I've... Can oh, you fill right. a, If you fill a balloon with methane, will it float? I'm not sure. I think... That's a good question. Yeah. Well, Any? Uh, do you? Do we know any scientists? My wife. My wife. Ask um, Ask Tiffany and see what she says. Or if there's any listeners out there that know, if you put filled a zeppelin full of cow methane, <laughs> is would that it, would it float? Is that viable? And would it be able to carry a human being? Yes. I, I suppose mean, it depends on the size of the zeppelin. I mean, methane is flammable as well, isn't it? Highly. Yeah. So I. I may be, this may be another Hindenburg waiting to happen. Have you noticed how things that are flammable are always highly flammable? They're not very flammable, or they're a, highly flammable. Or a bit flammable. What What else is described as highly, other than Gabri Selassie? <laughs> <laughs> highly strung? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and that's about it. That's you can probably... be highly strung, highly flammable, highly Gabri Selassie. <laughs> Right, come on, what do you got? Uh, dogs as transport, question mark. Okay. So, still on the transport there, because yeah. obviously transport is one of the... So it's, it's a biggie, uh, isn't it? Yeah, for climate yeah. change. Yeah. There's so many dogs. Yeah. Have we considered... Because people say it's cruel to ride around on a dog's back, and they're right. Yeah. But have they considered using two dogs... Here we go. ...to pull a papoose? Yeah. 
Or if you got a, a sort of a, a big wide plank, a sort of a square, imagine a sort of rectangle, if you would, of wood, and underneath is a team of maybe six dogs. Yeah. Strapped to the underneath of that. Yeah. You can get a family of four on that. Exactly. There you go. Short journeys only, obviously. Exercises the dogs. You're not visiting Colchester on a dog. No, unless you live in Colchester. Yes. In which case, fair enough. Or it's surrounding villages and towns. It surrounds. But um, certainly for pootling around town, the weekly shop, getting the kids to school. Take it to Tesco's, couldn't you? Absolutely. Dog power. Dog power. Like it. Like girl power. Thanks, mate. My number two. Crystals. I'm not sure of the science behind this, but there there seems to be a lot of people on the internet who have a lot of confidence in crystals and what and what they can do. That's right. If you remember when we were on the on the old gap year in Byron Bay, yeah. there were a lot of hippies weren't there in Byron Bay who yeah. who were convinced that that crystals did stuff. And also, if you can form crystals into a skull shape, they take on even more mystic power. That's right. The crystal skulls are. Very powerful. I, I, I'd actually like to stop you there because I find that offensive because that film was so bad. Oh, wasn't it? Oh, Will's referring to the, the final or the fourth instalment of the Indiana, Indiana Jones quadrology. Oh, man. Is that the right word? Uh, quartet? Quadrology. No, yeah, maybe. Quartet. quartet. Um, it was a terrible movie, wasn't it? Did they go one, three, two, big gap, big gap, big gap, four. Those, yes. those four films. Yeah. The one is easily the best, obviously. It's it's almost faultless as a film. Three is still pretty good. It's amazing. Uh, two, my problem is that if in, in the first and third films, you establish essentially that a Christian God exists because the Ark genuinely does fry Nazis. Yeah. And the, the cup of Christ genuinely does give you eternal life. Yeah. So... so there you've got, you know, you're saying, right, he actually exists. God exists and he exists on earth and he has magical powers. But then in two, you get into Hindu gods. Yeah. Who also exist. Because there are magical things in, in, in yeah. uh, Temple um, of Doom. Num-shibar, um, num-shibar, um, yeah. num-shibar. Exactly. Kalima! And all that stuff. And that also works. So now we've established that we're in a universe where both Christian gods and the Christian god and the Hindu gods also you know, coexist together. Yeah. And then, well, and then in the fourth one, now apparently as well as those gods existing, now we also have aliens. Aliens also exist. With, who, yeah, who control things through crystal skulls. Right. I just think if you stayed with, if you stayed just with Christianity and Nazis, you could have done 10 of those films by now. And I think that's a more or less endless source of fun. Or <laughs> just go Hindu. There are loads of Hindu gods. Just do it solidly Hindu. The whole thing could be set in the subcontinent. But I think the mixture of the two doesn't work for me. Yeah, and in a way, I would say I disagree because if you're going to get your balls out of the bath, get them both out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they say, isn't it? That's what people say. That's a saying. When people are talking about getting out of the bath, don't leave one in there. <laughs> get them both out. Why would you... If you're going to do it, get them both out. Yeah, why would he leave? Exactly, chuck it all in. Chuck it all in. It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) 
Oh dear. Okay, super. Anyway, so uh, how do we get on to that? Crystals. Um, Crystals is my number two. What's your number two? My number two is Close Pepper Pig World. <laughs> yeah. Because really, every little helps, doesn't it? And as someone who lives near Peppa Pig World, I can confirm. It's a shocking place. I have been there several times. Although I would like to say that Poulton's Park itself is awesome. Poulton's Park pulls the punters with its preposterous pricing. If anybody's listening from Poulton's Park and you'd like to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> that's the sort of thing that you could get. Now, I, I can't stand Peppa Pig World, but the rest of Poulton's Park, I think, is absolutely top hole. Um... <laughs> I you 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 might see uh, from the rest of my suggestions that I haven't really thought them through. I've just thought of stuff. Okay. Number three, Banjo Farms. Banjo Farms. That's it. I haven't got anything else. We can't. I don't think we can even elaborate on that, can we? Well, I mean, because the thing is that the production of banjos causes a lot of CO two. No, it doesn't. So if you grow them organically on a farm, <laughs> it's but it's better. A complete um, farm to table process for banjo creation. I think so. Yeah. You okay. know. Really? Breed the cats for the cat gut strings. Yeah. Grow the trees for the wood. Yes. Where does the what else Where's is on the, a banjo? Uh, the sound. Where does the sound come from? <laughs> That's a crucial. I think component. it comes from the banjo, mate. Does it? Do they not put that in? No. Oh, I thought the, they, I thought they piped it in like the, the middle of a donut. I don't like that one. That's not. That's not rung true with me. Banjo farms. I don't like you. My, <laughs> my number three yeah. is more haircuts. Okay. It's not less haircuts. No. Have more haircuts. Yeah. Because hair could be very useful yeah. in reducing CO2 emissions. Especially if you shot it into the atmosphere. If you ever, if you ever watch one of those programmes about climate change uh, ideas, a lot of them involve shooting things into the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should just try it with any number of things. <laughs> just sequins. Maltesers, <laughs> ass, yeah, whatever. Anything just, we've got a surplus of. Yeah, basically. boom, fire it up there. Has this well, made any difference? No. Right, I was basically on. riffing on the idea of things that we have excess of as a as a race, yeah. um, and that is not used productively. Yeah. What hair? Just pop into you. Your you, I mean, you have excess of hair, don't you? I've got extra hair, both Very on my legs. head and on other places. Yeah, from the waist downwards. I think as we've said before, like you're wearing a pair of mohair trousers, the palm of my hands. Hairy, hairy. Okay, uh, um, my number four is harness the power of ham. Absolutely, it's about time we all did. John Ham, the actor. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Are there any other famous hams? No, but I think harness the power of ham. Excellent. Idea. I just think as a slogan, I think that's something to get behind, even if it doesn't mean anything. It's catchy though, isn't it? Yeah, and you, I think it would catch capture people's imagination. Put it on a bumper sticker. Put it on a T-shirt. Put it on a cap. It's like making America great again. Put it on a billboard. Harness the power of ham. Put it on a billboard. Put it on the side of a lorry, on the side of a bus. Or fire it into the atmosphere. Or if, if then even you've got too much ham, fire it into the atmosphere. Create a create a ham parachute over the northern hemisphere, which will shield us from the sun's worst rays. You know. Um, yeah. So actually, um, your last point leads nicely on okay. to what have you got? Kill everyone called Ray. I think I've misunderstood <laughs> which are the bad rays the and which are the rays, good rays. Yeah. The harmful rays. I, I know one Ray. Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to kill him. My grandfather's name was Ray. Was it? Thankfully, he is dead. Dig him up, kill him again. It's <laughs> a gruesome thought. It is terrible. Um, isn't it? Yeah. So if if it, if it is the rays that are harmful, yeah, get rid of them. Stingrays. 
Manta, I mean, maybe maybe killing is too harsh. Maybe we could just send them somewhere. Just fire them into the atmosphere. <laughs> Boom, up you go. <laughs> Barrel full of stingrays. Let's see what that does. <laughs> right, number five, Captain Planet. Oh, Abs- How could we have... Why haven't we... Why he's, hasn't more been done to I get mean, in contact with Captain Planet? He's our hero. He's going to take pollution down to zero. We've got a, it, it, that's exactly what he's for. That's what he's for. That is what. What the hell is he doing? And where is he? He's just buggering about somewhere with his green hair and blue skin, and devastating smile. <laughs> <laughs> and you just think, get off your shiny blue ass and actually do something for a change. Maybe Greta Thunberg, rather than making speeches in Leicester Square, yeah. should be getting in contact with Captain Planet. She is. I was going to say because the. the it was Earth, Wind, Fire, Water, wasn't it? Four of the rings. And the fifth ring, do you remember what it was? Heart. 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 And there was the little kid who was useless as heart, but without him, none of it worked. Yeah. The rest course. of them could harness the power of the wind, harness the power of the earth. <laughs> what did he do? Did he soil. Make... The power of soil. Yeah, he did. He made, he, he made sort of earthquakes and things, didn't he? he could, no, he could fertilise any sort of perennial plant. Actually, it would be useful. But anyway, <laughs> they all had useful things, but hearts didn't have anything. But I think if anybody was going to inherit the heart ring, it would be Greta what, what not. Greta Thunberg. Thunberg, yeah. I, th- I feel like she should. She's the, ne- the next bearer. Perhaps that's what we're waiting for. The next bearer. The turn next up. ring bearers to stand up and put their rings together. Do you know who I think would be good for, for water? Sir Ben Ainsley. <laughs> He's very a sailing legend. He's very wholesome and he's also very handsome. He is. He's wholesome and handsome. And aquatic. Yeah. Absolutely. He once gave me a coaster. Did he? That he really did. A drinks coaster? Yeah, made out of slate. Why? Because I competed as a younger child in a sailing event where he was giving out the prizes. And, and co- he won? No, and a coaster was what you got as a participation prize. <laughs> <laughs> I came last. Do you still have that coaster? Uh, my parents actually do still have it. How yeah. wonderful! Is it signed by Sir, Sir Ben? No, he just he just frisbeed it at me. <laughs> so, don't touch me! Yeah, don't touch me with your failure. <laughs> I've got Olympic gold in these hands. <laughs> You'll infect me. He'd be a good ambassador to wear the fire ring. Fire, um, Ainsley Harriet. Yeah. <laughs> I just think Gokwan. Oh. Be a toss up, wouldn't it? Imagine a toss up between Gotquan and Ainsley Harriet. Wind. Wind. It's got to be Brian Blessed, hasn't it? Oh, Blessed. Excellent. Blessed be the Bry. We're a bit gender uh, unbalanced here, though. Yes, aren't we? we are. So you're for, uh, hang on, what's the one we've got left? Earth. Earth. It's got to be, I think we need a female Earth. Absolutely. Uh, what about Charlie Dimmock? Charlie Dimmock. <laughs> Crab Force. <laughs> There's a reference that's going to date our listeners. <laughs> A reference to a television programme from 25 years ago. <laughs> Charlie Dimmock swinging low, <laughs> controlling with the earth as her domain. That's a hell of a team, though, isn't it? What a team. Ainsley Harriet, Ben Ainsley. Yeah, I think, yeah. Brian Blessed. And, Greta uh, Thunberg. And Charlie Dimmock. I mean, there we go. Okay, that was, uh, that was my number five. What was your number five? My number five was... Turn methane into euthane and methane. I like that. Because sharing is caring. Yeah, there's no me in euthane, you could say. There's no me in euthane. Yeah. There's no you in methane. Exactly. But put 
them together. <laughs> you methane. <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, that one's just words, really, isn't it, rather yeah, than an idea? But it's, it's, they're quite fun words, so that's okay. Thank you. I've got number six, make more love. Make more love. If we make more love, Tom, then... You and me, or just everyone? Be, well, I think you and me, you and everyone. Me and everyone. <laughs> and everyone. The burden's very much on my shoulders for this one. That's fine. <laughs> when I say make more love, I don't mean everyone. I mean you. You need to make more love. Because with the power of your love, the earth will be healed. Quite possibly. Yeah. I've got a lot of love to give, Will. You sure do. You're overflowing with it, aren't with you? With a very poor delivery method. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm sitting across the table from <laughs> you and not next to you right now. What number are we on? Uh, that was number six. Magnets. Yeah. Like it. No one uses enough magnets these days. Especially not really big ones. Back in the Victorian days, they thought that magnets were going to revolutionise mm. the world. Mm. And they never really got round to it. Computers sort of got in the way. Although, Go, Going back to methods of transport. Yes. If, everything, if everywhere you wanted to go is made of metal, you put a pair of roller skates on your feet and you put a big magnet round you, kind of like a life ring, with it facing towards the bit of metal. Would it not then just pull you along? I, I think you have a very rudimentary understanding of I've, how magnets I've essentially work. learnt it from Roadrunner cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about one of the big horseshoes. Yeah, big magnets. horseshoe magnet. Yeah, put it around you. Well, if you then... if you were being dragged towards um, a big piece of metal. Yeah. But you're saying that everything's made of metal, so you'd need. It's true. What you'd really need is everything to be made of a negative magnet, and if you had a positive magnet on your roller skates, it would propel you along. Um, by the law of magnetic propulsion. Much like a maglev train. Is that how they work? That's exactly how they work. Well, let's just have more of them. That, uh, great idea. Yeah. I've already written it down. Great. I sent yeah. it to Sir Richard Branson. <laughs> I've sent it to Tony Blair. <laughs> Good old Tony. He's, he's sorting out everything. These Saving days. the world. Yeah. Uh, on to number seven. I've got turn shoes into gas. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. You'd just... need your top boffins on that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, think, I just think... Top men. You should just try. What you got? Um, I have run out of ideas to save (laughs) save the climate. Um, That was it. What was your last one? Magnets. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't difficult, listeners, to find the place at which Tom ran out of ideas because he thought he could just pluck one from his armpit and he couldn't. Do you want to hear my last one? Yeah, go on then. I've got turn shoes into gas. I've got eat coal, shit coal. Yes. That makes sense, doesn't it? Not really. <laughs> but if you eat coal, then you'll shit coal, and then you can burn the coal. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> it's po- possible. Yeah. Number nine, think positive thoughts. Oh, yes, absolutely, always. Number ten, wind power. It, it, it blows all the time, and yet no one has thought of any way to harness wind power that I have heard of. Absolutely right. Nobody, nobody does it. And surely, if they erected some sort of, I don't know, windmill, lots of big windmills, then they would they would just turn all day and they would generate power. Well, that's a good idea, but I think it Isn't would it? be easier to harness the power of wind with a kite. Ooh, lots of kites. Just lots of kites. Like the end of Mary Poppins. I like that. How, how... Perhaps each of our planet ambassadors, yeah. they could harness each of their special part of the earth. Yeah. So Brian Blessed, yeah. of course, would build windmills Yes. and use kites. Yes. Charlie Dimmock would harness the power of the earth. How would you create energy from earth? Uh, through uh, the, the heat that comes up from, uh, from underneath. From a hot bit of earth. From a hot... Dig down till the earth's core. 
and use that energy just for warmth yeah just to warm your hands or, or toast marshmallows absolutely or just plug your pipe straight into it go straight into radiators you're toasty warm in the oh, winter yeah, lava in your radiator that's gonna and in the summer just turn the tap just turn it off turn it off turn it off I mean, come on what are the other ones uh, we had water. How would you harness water? Impossible. You can't, can you? With modern science, you couldn't. But I'd see somehow fish being involved. Yeah, or... Just firing fish into the atmosphere. <laughs> Whatever you come back to is just just fire it. Get a big cannon pointed at the sky. It's a damn you climate change. Clear! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Up it goes. To Whatever jo- it is. To join... <laughs> The barrel of stingrays and the ham parachutes <laughs> and the Maltesers. Get it up there. Lovely so I stuff. think um, we've concluded yeah. that we can definitely save the, we've, the planet. We've more or less solved it, haven't we? We've done it. Yeah. High five. Woo! <laughs> that was the sound of me and Tom. High five. Right. Okay, good. So uh, we've just got one uh, one little feature left, Tommy. One last feature uh, for today. Um, story time. Story time. Yeah, the story time in Shuttlepod Eleven was such a success <laughs> that we decided to do it again, but alter the format. Because <laughs> although it was a massive success, we think nobody's we can... saying that it wasn't a success. No, we, we're absolutely certain that it was a success, but we're not going to do it the same way. So uh, what what we've got is we're just going to we're just going to again. There's, there's some there's an element of spitballing here. We're going to we're going to workshop a story together. And you can listen to it. Yeah, and be entertained. Be and entertained. So I've, I've got some elements here. Uh, and and if it works out, what we'll do is we'll, we'll alternate. So next week, if Tom can be bothered to prepare it, he can do the same for me. And, and we'll see how we go. So um, I've got I've got a title here for him. I've got three characters and I've got a setting. And we're going we're gonna to talk about how we can uh, how we can create a story here. And then, and then once we've created that, I've got a little twist just to... Uh, just, just to, to make, throw some salt in the wound. Yeah, just to make everything interesting. So it's a romance novel, Tommy. Oh, sorry, that's uh, sorry. That was my Bavaria 0% repeating on me. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a romance story, and it's called Unbutton My Trousers. Oh, lovely stuff. What are your immediate thoughts of that title? What's what What are you thinking? Where's Where's this story going? Oh, we're starting already. We've, just we've started. Title. We've started. Yeah. Um, it's for me. It's a period. Piece. I think it is buttons on trousers. I think it's a period piece. I think it is a period piece. What would be it's from nineteenth century. Nineteenth century. I think it would be the nineteenth century. Yeah. Quite um, an uptight mm. earl. Yeah, there's an uptight earl. Okay, that lives in a country pile. Yeah, I like it. The house is disintegrating around him. Yeah, much like his he- trousers. <laughs> His trousers are the last bastion of his Englishness yeah. and his manhood. Yeah. But wait. They're keeping it all within. Who's this that's moved into the folly? Oh. It's a young farmer's family. Well, I'm going to hold you there because I've got some characters now to, to add into this. Okay, let's okay. get them in. The first one is called Dirk Sirloin. Okay, right. Mm. So, you see, Dirk that's... Sirloin, he's... You might be changing things around here. What's your immediate thought on Dirk? Where's Dirk Sirloin from? Well, this is it. He's not. He's definitely not our, the protagonist we've just spoken about. I don't think he? he is. I think he's American. <laughs> he's called yes. Dirk. Dirk Sirloin. I think he might be. A, I, I still think it's nineteenth century, but I think he's a nineteenth century American cowboy who struck oil and has come to live in 
the country rural, pile. Rural Worcestershire. Rural Worcestershire, because he's fed up of, of you know, wearing cowboy hats. Yeah. Although he does still wear a cowboy hat. Of course. In, in rural Worcestershire. And he is the lord of the manor. But he's he walks been... around wearing chaps and yes. a leather waistcoat. Yes. And a tartan shirt. A tartan shirt. Is that what they were? Is that what cowboys were? Yeah, all right. Yeah. A denim yeah. shirt. Denim shirt. Yeah. And he's so he is. So he's Sir, our new, new protagonist. He's Sir Dirk of so- Sirloin. Yeah. And what what sort of things does he say? Do you think what what's his going to be? I I think pile the meat high. I think he, was that his accent? No. I so hang on. So we're going to go rootin' tootin' cowboy. Howdy, partner. I'm a cowboy. Pile the meat high. Like that's that. his catchphrase. Pile the meat high. Yes. And he says that to his servants, and they understand it because they're preparing breakfast or something and he wants a like a jenga tower made out of sausages yeah okay but i think he also says it when he's at a dance yeah i think he also says it when he's riding in his carriage and so people have started to realize he's an idiot (laughs) (laughs) he's not very bright no sir dirk of sirloin sir dirk of sirloin he keeps saying pile the meat high okay he's renamed the country house which was originally called fotherington manor yeah He's re- renamed it Sausage Hall. <laughs> Welcome to Sausage Hall, where all your dreams come true. Where all the furniture's made of sausages. <laughs> have you got any more characters for this story? I have. Though? So our second character is, is Lady Agatha Bonpipi. Ah, mm, the love interest. The love interest. Yeah, Lady Agatha, but Bonpipi. So a travelling. I think she's not. I think she's not English either. Opera th- singer, a travelling opera singer. I like it. She hits the high notes. Yeah, certainly in the bedroom. <laughs> like it. I like it a lot, and shatters all the windows windows in Sausage Hall. <laughs> and as a consequence, she has to stay behind because it's very expensive, and she has to work off the money. Brilliant by singing opera to the cattle. A bit like they do with Wagyu beef. She tenderises the cattle meat yeah. with her falsetto voice. Yeah, come and sing at this pig. Tenderise my pig with your voice. I love the, the innuendos in this story and the double entendres are exquisite. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> you have a dirty mind. Okay, so Lady Agatha von Peepee bon is... She comes to sing at Sausage Hall. She's invited there as a, uh, as a guest. Yeah. But she smashes all of the very expensive... Windows, they're sash windows. And Dirk Sirloin says, Hey, you smash my windows. You gone don't smash my windows, you opera floozy, you. Well, I never. Is this that... is Italian. Well, I never. <laughs> I'm a lady. I cannot be expected to not smash all the windows with my voice. They're gonna, they're gonna cost me millions of millions, maybe not millions, but thousands of pounds. And I ain't got thousands of pounds because I'd spend it all on sausage furniture. You're going to stay here. You're going to stay here real nice. Any more characters? You're going to sing at my pigs. Sing at my pigs. Sing at my pigs. I think you've taken it too far. Okay, fine. And I've got Mucky the Stable Lad. Mucky the Stable Lad. Yeah. How's he involved in the story? Well, how isn't he involved in the story? It's probably quick to say how he's involved (laughs) in the story. (laughs) I think... It's the same question as I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that there's, it's a triangle. It's a love triangle. Yeah. It's clear to me now. It's a sort of Lady Chatterley's lover. Yes. Things going on here. Because inevitably there's going to be sexual tension between Dirk Sirloin and Lady Agatha Bon Pipi. Um, because that's the natural pairing. But of course, 
Mucky gets involved. Mucky appears. Yeah, she when she's singing at the pigs, of course, she's going to see the stable lad. And here he comes. Here he comes, and with his top off. Yeah, he's rippling, rippling muscles. Rippling, rippling belly. He's a, he's a he's bit a of a powerful lad. Worcestershire lad. Yeah, so he's not he's not like a six pack guy. One of his eyes doesn't look in the same direction as the other, <laughs> so that gives him a sort of mystic, he has mysterious a, quality. He has a single big tooth <laughs> at the top. <laughs> One big tooth. Made of wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got all... Hang on, what's his, yeah, what's his accent going to be? Worcestershire. What is a Worcestershire Sort of like a Gloucester accent. All right. Gloucester. All right. I've got, I've got chomper right here. That's all I've ever needed. I can eat my way through a cow. <laughs> I'll show you. I did it this morning. I've got room for another. Lift up, thy, lift up thine petticoats. Wait, what are you doing singing at them pigs? Ooh, that pig looks tender. So, what's the what happens in the story? This the the love triangle appears. Yeah, that's not a good way to describe <laughs> it, but occurs. Yeah, and, and there then has, there's some tension between <clears throat> now between Dirk Sirloin yeah. and Mucky. And I think Dirk Sirloin discovers Mucky with his hand on Lady Agatha's knee. Yeah, and in a pigsty in a pigsty and challenges him to a duel. Yes, at dawn. And uh, what sort of duel though? How would the duel be fought out? Would they choose? Well, weapons? I think I think pistols at dawn. I That's think, what he's used to. I think Dirk Sirloin goes for lassoes at dawn. Excellent, because he thinks made of sausage links. Yeah, <laughs> sausage lasso. Each man is given a sausage lasso, and they have to lasso the other, drag them over, and then they when they've got them. Lying on the floor beneath them, they can batter them with lamb chops. Batter the hell out of them with a chop. If, if you had a, 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 a two holsters, each with a lamb chop in it. Or maybe a, a mutton chop. Or a tomahawk steak. Or a to- Yeah, okay. A, a beef rib with a nice bit of meat on the end. I think you probably choose, don't you? I think the man who's in charge of the duel opens up uh, a big... A wooden a case. A big chest. Yeah. And he says, choose your weapons, gentlemen. They've each already got their sausage lasso, but inside the chest you've got lamb chop, mutton chop, pork chop... You've got various steaks. You've got a T-bone. You've got in there. yeah. You've got a big flat bit of venison which you can use as a shield or a helmet. Yeah, uh, or a rabbit. Just a whole rabbit. Imagine yeah. that. You pull him. You get him to the floor. You get the, your rabbit out of its holster and you batter him with the rabbit. Okay. I think that would work. Definitely. Yeah, because rabbits are kind of floppy. So are you, this is the perfect time for a twist in the tale. Yes. Well, given the way that this has gone, my twist doesn't really work. <laughs> Because the twist is that everything is made of cheese. <laughs> so, I don't know. No, yeah, I don't. I think we might have to change the twist. I might change. What's what'd be a good twist? Mucky, Mucky's tooth catch has been freshly varnished yeah. by his peasant mother. Right. It catches the morning sun and blinds Dirk just as he's about to strike him with a particularly vicious. Lamb chop blow. I like that, but but because he's been blinded by it, you know what he discovers? Like Daredevil, all his other senses become more highly attuned. Yeah. And like, which, who was blind? Was it, was it Beethoven who was blind? Or was he deaf? Someone was I think blind. he was both. Okay. So he, he, he becomes a famous composer. Yeah, okay. He creates a keyboard made of pigs. <laughs> Where you, you press a button and a, and a different pig is tickled <laughs> of a different size. And he, and he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. That sounded like the start of the frog song. Yeah, exactly. Was, it? was that what it was? Yeah. The pig song. Yeah. So you, a 
pig keyboard, tickles the pigs, different tones of pigs. He creates a symphony. And actually what happens is the three of them go on tour then. And she end, and Bon Tempe ends up unbuttoning both of their trousers. Indeed. And her own trousers, in yeah. fact. I mean, she's called Bon Peepee, but okay. What did I call her? Von Tempe. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't suppose she minds. She, she unbuttons all of their trousers. She has to unbutton Dirk's trousers because he's blind. She has to unbutton Mackie the Stable Lad she because be- he lacks an education and doesn't understand how trousers work. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, what they didn't realise was he was so inbred that he actually had um, a degenerative disorder. Yeah, and and now she unbuttons both of their trousers, not for romantic purposes. Just practical. Simply to care for them. And she unbuttons her own trousers because neither of them are going to do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> What's she going to do? She just wait. It's a tragic end. It is, isn't it? It's a tragic end. And but it's a surprising end. It's a timeless tale. I think I think that's got legs. Certainly <laughs> certainly got something, Will. Yeah. Um, so there you go, listeners. Unbutton my, my trousers. I think if there are any uh, publishing agents listening and you've heard that and you think, I would like to get a slice of that beef and, and pour my publishing gravy all over it. <laughs> To then, make a money roast dinner. Yeah, contact us via the uh, the usual channels, and uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk serious money. What are the usual channels? Will just remind us. We have a Twitter account. We have an email account. Just say say the contact. Shuttle pod, uh, shuttle podcast at gmail dot com. There you go. I remembered. Yeah. And shuttlepod four at no at shuttlepod four at shuttlepod four for the number. For the number. So there we are, everyone. That was ShuttlePod 12. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end mm. of ShuttlePod 12. I enjoyed that one. I thought that was good. That was tremendously ducklicious, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a phrase, isn't it? Um, okay. So you'll be hearing from us... <clears throat> excuse me. Yep. A little bit emotional at the end there. <laughs> you'll be hearing from us very shortly. Keep your eyes peeled for the next one. We do realise that these are all being released at the same time, so if um, if you're listening and you're enjoying it, simply switch over to num- number 13, which is ready and queued up for you, um, and do consider sending us money through the post. Yeah, just come on. Just think about it. Just a fiver. Something. Something. Sell a tape a couple of 50p's to a card like your granny used to do. and I mean... But if we can say anything, it's that we love you very, very much. Thanks for listening. And we can't wait to speak to you again. And meet you all in person. Yes. All five of you. (laughs) At a Pizza Express in Dorking. (laughs) And uh, and we will see you next time on Shuttlebots! Shuttlebots!